Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka, and this is the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast, and feel free to get in touch with us via the Triple R website or Bite Into It's Facebook or Twitter accounts. Welcome to Bite Into It. You're on Triple R, and tonight we've got Mr. Warren Davies with us. Hello there. Hey there, uh, Mr. Paul Callahan. Hello. And Mr. Dan Morganti in studio. Good evening. Holding shit down. Well done. That's All right, it. I'm Vanessa Taholka. It's so great to have you with us on our last bite into it for the year. Um, we've got a ton to get through because what we'd like to do is look back on the year that has been in tech and uh, try and pull out some real um, massive bits of news and things that happened. We also want to cover a little bit of like gift suggestions and things if anyone is doing the Christmas thing and um, and looking for tech-based gifts for people who are hard to buy for, we might have some suggestions or at least we'll have a red-hot go at it. So you can always tweet us at, at bite into it and um, ask for help with someone who's tricky to buy for if you like. But before we get there, there is some current news going on. The first thing that we had to cover, Laura Summers dug out this amazing bit of news an Australian mathematician has, well, a Melbourneian even, Dr. Samuel Blake, and two fellow cryptologists, um, one based in the US and another based in Belgium, have cracked the Zodiac serial killer cipher. Now, I hadn't even heard of this. I'm not a huge serial killer buff, but for those who are, apparently this is a massive deal. Um, it's quite a famous code known as the 340 cipher. And uh, the FBI hadn't cracked it. It sounds incredibly complex. Um, this team, through hundreds of thousands of different tests of cracking this code, at it. And because of the computing power and because they stumbled across something that um, uncovered a couple of um, words that they could unpick within the, the code, they, they finally got some headway. So this is a 50-year-old problem. Um, it's just kind of incredible. They never caught the Zodiac Killer and the article's a fantastic tale of moving forward in a mystery. So if you want to read more about that, go to the ABC, look up the Zodiac Killer Code Cracked by Australian Mathematicians story. It is a corker. I love that um, Mr. Orinchak, one of the guys who cracked it, uh, has been working on it for 15 years. I'd like to think maybe he cracked it and just found out it was like, you know, um, two litres of milk, cereal, <laughs> just something really tedious. It's but, like uh, that's not the sort of cereal we want to hear about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, amazing. Uh, 650,000 different reading directions through the cipher. Um, amazing. Cool. And and slightly more tech-related tech news. Um, but. I can't tell if this is more or less interesting, um, but Google uh, went down for a whole 45 minutes uh, this week. Um, so 3.47 a.m. Uh, Pacific time. Um, apparently they experienced an authentic authentication system outage, um, which meant that a whole bunch of Google services uh, were completely unavailable. And that, that was everything from Gmail and YouTube to their game streaming service Stadia, um, but also their uh, home system, so their smart home technology. So if your lights were turned on, you know, you wouldn't be able to turn, turn them off, or if they were turned off, you wouldn't be able to turn them on. Um, and it feels like this year has really been, we've seen a fair amount of this where suddenly one piece of infrastructure or one smaller part of a piece of infrastructure goes down and suddenly it's like, oh, my smart lock 
like I'm done or my microwave won't work or like now my fridge is like giving me stick is like yelling at me um, just because something happened. The Google don't seem to have revealed the details of what it, of what it was other than uh, it was an internal storage storage quota issue. So Google ran out of hard drive space. Like that's kind of what happened and everything, <laughs> everything went down. I had to just pop down to MSY and buy some more. First things first, how dare they? Second of all, uh, you know, everyone makes mistakes. So, you know, not, not, uh, it was bound to happen eventually. It's probably, good for, it's probably good for us to have those 45 minutes and, like, go outside and be like, oh, rather, or just log on to Twitter yeah. for something different. I, I re- yeah, just get off YouTube onto something I re- else. I re-alphabetize my bookshelf out of boredom. <laughs> it, um, it makes you think about, uh, you know, the, the few years that we've had of, like, everything has to be in the cloud and you know, why would you have a local server and, and, and stuff like that. Um, you, you, you kind of picture all the hobbyists and, and people with their own kind of little stacks at home in the garage kind of like, you know, laughing into their beards right now going, yes, we told you. Yes. <laughs> My little raspberry Pi never goes down, never breaks, <laughs> never explodes. Whatever <laughs> goes wrong. Running that, running that one light switch. <laughs> um, another thing that uh, didn't really go down, but um, it's, uh, you know, back door is flapping noisily uh, in the wind is uh, solar winds. Um, uh, I did. I did come across this this afternoon and just went, because oh! um, I have got some services going on in that, um, uh, just some like you know uptime monitoring and stuff like that. But um, SolarWinds provides uh, a lot of different services to uh, governments, uh, especially in the US. And the uh, the US intelligence community is in a bit of a flap uh, at the moment about the uh, breach by, you know, uh, as you would expect, um, apparently. You know, in quote quotation marks, Russian hackers um, have been in there having a go. Maybe the case. Um, so yeah, SolarWinds uh, has um, been, I guess, the victim of a supply chain attack, um, where um, it's a fairly common thing where malicious code is uh, hidden in um, uh, updates and patches to you know uh, uh, legitimate software, and um, seemingly looks uh, legitimate, but. Um, yeah, um, fairly easy to fall um, prey to, to these kinds of attacks. Um, interestingly, as well as things such as, uh, well, all five branches of the US military, State Department, uh, NSA, offices, Office of the President of the United States, um, probably not getting much use at the moment anyway, uh, let's be honest. Um, uh, there's up to, uh, up to 400, 450 of the uh, America's uh, Fortune 500 companies uh, make use of SolarWinds. Uh, I think the bad thing is, as Dan pointed out earlier, everyone makes mistakes. Um, so, I don't know, after four years of a particular administration, these kinds of mistakes, um, it's hard to tell whether they're, they're small or large or, or whether they even matter anymore. But um, uh, the fact is they um, they tried to minimise it and they tried to suggest that, you know, it was only a small amount of people using this particular service, um, uh, Origin or, or one of the other services that they have. Um, but uh, it looks like there was um, there was quite a few more. But um, Yeah, and, and of concern, I think, how long um, it seems like they were exploited for undetected and that it was a, a long game that they were playing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Interesting. So, yeah, um, hopefully they'll, they'll get onto that soon. And, um, yeah, SolarWinds is yeah, a huge, um, uh, huge, huge company and, and um, used uh, at all levels of, uh, of, the, of the web. Hey, we're going to jump to another news story. It's slightly unfamily friendly. So if you've got young ones listening, then maybe uh, tune away for three minutes and then uh, come back and join us, won't you? Yes. 
Dan. Uh, so now to the wide world of porn. Um, both Visa and MasterCard have announced that they would be cutting ties with uh, the extremely large uh, porn distributor, Pornhub, or porn platform, Pornhub. Um, they both cited that it's uh, there's unlawful content on the website. So the decision comes after Visa and MasterCard said on Monday that they would investigate allegations of child sex abuse imagery on Pornhub and their relationship to MindGeek, Pornhub's uh, parent company. Um, this comes uh, following a major policy shift um, announcement from Pornhub themselves on Tuesday uh, that the platforms would ban unverified uploads and downloads and bolster existing moderation practices. So models who use the site have been asking the platform to make these changes for a long time, um, and the platform made the changes following an expose from the New York Times into the lives of sexual assault victims, images hosted on the site, and pressure from payment processes. So basically, this is a, a long time coming. Not so much the um, the company's not working with Pornhub, it's just, uh, please excuse the pun, um, but uh, Pornhub's Pornhub's, uh, um, usability and the way that uh, it's been used for revenge porn and uh, allegedly child child pornography as well, um, there there has needed to be a shift. This is just a symptom of their uh, reluctance to moderate their own uh, platform. So now that they're starting to take that, uh, into a uh, into account, um, it seems like they're mo- they're moving in the right direction, and yeah, Visa, but Visa and Mastercard have still struck a blow to them. Yeah, it's interesting. It reminds me we had a story earlier in the year around um, deep fakes and um, and pornography and so forth um, popping up on TikTok, which is is quite a young platform, and it is interesting. You, you obviously want to um, the. the the first concern is to weed out um, this type of content and make sure people are safe and are not being exploited and, and so on. Um, but then, you know, consenting adults could, should be allowed to buy whatever they um, whatever they like if no one's being harmed uh, in, in this context. And there's a lot of you know, uh, uh, the sex positive community and um, people who make content who make a living off this and, and do it really well. Um, so it's not not exactly black and white. Mm. But um, yeah, I, I guess they've just got to be careful. They work. Who, who they get into bed with? There were certain verified accounts that were found to be, like use sexual slavery. So the girls do porn um, website or uh, user as well um, was found to coerce women into doing pornography with like uh, expensive flights and putting them up in hotels and then basically saying they need to recoup their costs and um, forcing these women into these situations that they didn't think they'd necessarily be in. Um, so, yeah, so I think it's, it's good news. It's so that, overdue, isn't it? Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well wrapped up, Dan. Hey, uh, I think it's time to have a, a quick break before we come back of our recap of the biggest technology news of the year. Um, asterisk, maybe not all of it. Yeah. <laughs> Triple R on FM, digital, online, on demand, podcasts and via the app. Hey, we wanted to reflect on some of the technology news that happened during the year, and we're going to try and do it in chronological order with our fuzzy memories. We haven't been, haven't been too rigorous about the process. Warren, what was happening in February this year? February, well, we'd uh, yeah, we still have the sand between our toes and, and so forth. But um, I do remember um, back in those delicious pre-COVID days, um, an interesting call out where 
uh, Melbourne game designers, uh, designers needed some help on capturing the sounds of Melbourne. So uh, 64 Ways of Being um, was turning Melbourne into a playable city um, through, a, I guess, a blend of game design, um, live and, and also public art. And there was a big call out to um, record and send in the sounds of Melbourne. Um, so things that became, I guess, you know, really salient later in the year, like bird sounds and neighbour sounds and, unfortunately, whippersnippers, chainsaws and um, <laughs> leaf blowers. Um, uh, came up. So um, the site is still up. Um, 64waysofbeing.com um, is, a, is a great site and a way to um, see, the, see the city through um, all of our eyes and ears. Um, so that was, um, that was a ripper. Um, it was also, uh, I, I guess, a, um, a big year for the web and uh, Tim Berners-Lee and, and, uh, and, and that crew. Um, on March 12, um, the web turned 30, um, which was great. And um, there was a lot of stuff coming out of CERN and, um, uh, I guess, reflections on uh, what it was like um, getting that uh, protocol set up that, um, you know, is such an important fabric um, in our lives now. There's, um, if you have a look at uh, home.cern, um, if you just search um, birth of web or birth web, um, there's some great, um, great uh, early examples of codes, websites, some fantastic kit. Um, we're just looking at an ESO monitor, which looks great. It looks like every library that you went to in the 90s, um, uh, which is amazing. Um, so that's great. It, it kind of, I don't know, um, it, it has, this year time has seemed quite elastic. Um, so when you say something's 30 years old, you're like, whoa, is, <laughs> is that all? But um, we've done so much uh, in, in those 30 years. Do, do, do you folks have uh, a memory of your first experience of the web and sort of figuring out that you could you know, access all this different stuff all around the place? What's the first thing that comes to mind? Uh, I remember um, New, Newgrounds, the website Newgrounds, which I think is still going. It's uh, like Flash games and the like, and you could play uh, – there was one called Penguin Smash where you played uh, a Yeti with a huge wooden club and you smacked penguins as far as you could. Um, like they dropped down and you'd click the button at the right time and you'd smack a penguin. And uh, yeah, that's that's my first uh, experience of the internet. This is the best thing ever. I remember trying to find the coolest sites we could find and uh, going to 2600, the Hacker Quarterly, and thinking, you know, here we are studying computing, reading the Hacker Quarterly. That was amazing. What about you, Paul? Um, yeah, I was I was at university, so like it was just kind of pre-web stuff. So it was actually like I had to go into like, I had to get a special key to go in a special room where the PCs that had the web browsers, like on them. So everything else was just like terminal stuff, as well. So even kind of pre predating that. So it just make, this this makes me feel old. Did you ever play? At, did you ever play Space War at Uni, Paul? No, we, we we had like a pretty much a blanket ban on games. Oh, like really? some people did find a lab that they could install Doom. Yeah, like, but it was like one lab <laughs> in the whole campus. Yeah, <laughs> amazing. Yeah. We had um, we had some catch ups at that time with um, like all generations of um, uh, of people sort of working with uh, technology and computing and so forth. And I remember um, this guy made eye contact with me and you know we're like okay we're gonna have this chat um, you know very kind of like sandy gentleman and. Um, he talked about how his first experience with programming was with paper cards. And sometimes when you actually ran the programs through, you had to like feed all the cards into it. Um, sometimes it would just kind of like spit the, spit the card out and you had to get like a compass out or just like your pen <laughs> and kind of like actually reprogram the card with your knife, um, which was, which was great. Analog programming. Very analog. Yeah. Um, 
Speaking of speaking of interesting programming, um, moving forward to March and I guess around the time that um, you know uh, the pandemic was starting to, to um, take hold, um, there's a call out from a tech company uh, Nvidia um, who are interested in gamers from around the world uh, downloading their app um, uh, Folding uh, or Folding at Home, um, which would, which allowed similar to um, you know Bitcoin mining and, and a variety of other um, protocols out there allowed. Um, us to lend our spare computing power um, from our GPUs to support our research on coronavirus, which was going on, I think, from um, uh, from December um, last year, um, you know, through to March and, and obviously on past that point. But um, that was a great call out. It's always really exciting when you see uh, people coming together, whether it's, you know, uh, gamers or coders or, um, you know, um, security people or what have you. Um, that was a really interesting call out. Um, have, have any of you folks ever kind of just... Um, Given up some of your your spare CPU or, or GPU to to help out with anything like that. Uh, I'm not I, sure. I think it's interesting, but I've never actually done it. I'm not sure if you'll remember, but uh, last year we did a, a topic, a news article on Borderlands 3, which is a um, multiplayer video game. They had a, a system inside the game where you could play, but they would borrow your computing power to. Uh, uh, do scientific research. I can't remember the exact use of it, but it was using your computer through the game while you were playing to do, um, I think it was like um, gene research or something like that. Um, and yeah, uh, I once attempted to mine Bitcoin, but realized that the amount that I would mine versus the amount of energy I would use would not be worth it. So <laughs> gave that it's up pretty quickly. It's very environmentally friendly, isn't it, Dan? Absolutely. I think that might I oh, saw an amazing um, uh, mining setup uh, this week where all the um, all the uh, machines were in oil um, to keep them cool. Uh, like all of them submerged. It's like very strange because you just see a liquid and you're like, "Whoa, what are you doing with your computers, man?" But, wow. Um, yeah. Well, and and you know the most famous uh, use of computers to uh, share processing power would be the SETI experiment, which is the search for extraterrestrial intelligence. It's a bit of a legacy of internet history. So if, you, if you're if you interested, have a Google of that. It's good fun. Mm. They recently had one of their giant antennas decommissioned, didn't they? I think SETI. I think it fell apart. I think it decommissioned itself. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Notable, notable, notable for being the uh, one of the last levels in GoldenEye 64 and also associated yes. with the movie and did a whole bunch of interesting space research and things like that. Um, but definitely Nintendo 64 uh, GoldenEye is what it's remembered for. Yeah, Laura did a bit of coverage on that a couple of weeks ago and it was uh, it was pretty sad looking through the photos of it. It was a, a glorious satellite dish and mm. yeah. I heard that uh, there was someone's suggestion that they should break it apart and sell it uh, piece by piece to people who would be interested and then with the uh, commissions made from that, build a new one. Uh, so Very yeah. creative idea. Yeah. I like it. So what happened in April, Paul? Um, so, uh, other than a global pandemic, you mean, is that, is that what you're asking? Um, so obviously the kind of big change to, to how we sort of live, uh, was, was COVID-19, but that from a tech perspective really drove forward, um, our relationship with telehealth. Um, so now we can, you know, we can have remote access to, to our GP. We have digital pharmacy scripts. I've seen QR codes that you can just take in. There's online databases for your scripts. Um, and that obviously replaces the, the old school method of faxing things through. Um, and it's been, I think it's, it's been really interesting to sort of go through that experience, like 
visiting your GP like online um, or for, for many of us, I'm sure, sure we've sort of been taking advantage of the, the 20 extra mental health sessions that we can have access to. So, you know, potentially not even meeting your therapist or your counselor, just doing it all remotely. And what that does for that interpersonal relationship and your own kind of sense of, of health as well. But, you know, inevitable and, and the NBN seems to have mostly held up under the weight of that. Um, but yeah, like a big change to, to how we live um, coming off the back. Um, sticking with sticking with health thinking, uh, turns out the government's COVID safe app didn't really work that well, uh, maybe. Um, it was launched, I think, this week. They announced that it had only found maybe 20 close contacts in all of the time um, it had been installed. Did um, anyone in this team download it? No. Oh, so we've had the problem. <laughs> yeah. I, I wore um, a mask. I stayed inside. I think I did my bit. Yeah, mm. I think um, we all did. Mm. So even now, it's still not using the the Google and the the Apple APIs that they explicitly remote, uh, implemented. Um, the iPhone, you know, app in particular, had to be like open on your on the home screen, otherwise it wouldn't do the detection. Um, I think the way that it was using the Bluetooth stack was incredibly power draining. Um, obviously a whole bunch of um, security and privacy issues and lots of people dug into the code when it was made available. Yeah, there's fantastic um, constructive criticism published by academic Dr. Vanessa Teague on that in particular and well worth reading if you're interested in the details on that and why the COVIDSafe app approach could have been better and um, yeah. Um, so apparently there are some planned updates to, to coming uh, in the next few weeks. They should fix all of the bugs and all of the issues. But the question about how useful they're going to be now, um, given the you know the Australia that we live in, um, we'll need to see. It was also very expensive for an app. So yeah. Um, and sort of related to all of those things, uh, Zoom was a big deal uh, this year. Kind of went from from nowhere to to everywhere. And, you know, really rapidly adopted by companies, by people, um, and then as is the way of of technology that gets adopted so quickly, there was loads of security issues with it, revealed by people uh, Zoom bombing, like other people's meetings. You know, people could just guess, you know, meeting numbers and join in. So huge information, huge sort of security leaks and flaws. Then there was real issues raised about how much of it was encrypted, where the data was going, because it was asking for loads of um, like personal data along the way. Uh, I mean, it really succeeded because it was so easy to set up. But um, and yeah, the video they... quality, the video and audio, audio syncing was so much better than everyone else's. Yep, yep. So lots to kind of get it into people's homes, onto people's laptops, um, and they very quickly had to scramble uh, to patch all the security holes. Um, so they hired Jason Lee as a chief information security officer. Oh, lost Warren for a second. I think we've just lost Warren. Um, I mean, what that has done, though, is the fact that that superior quality like, has raised the bar for everyone else. You know why we've lost Warren? I think he was playing with Zoom to get the sound effect <laughs> and it takes control. You can only use one of those channels at a time. Warren, <laughs> is that what happened to you? No. <laughs> a sound we're all too familiar with after this year. Thanks Warren, for taking Warren. us right back to the depths of wintertime <laughs> chats. <laughs> or might be on mute. The, the other great phrase of 2020. Um, so, so yeah, that that takes us up to to June. Lots of big changes. Mm. Excellent. 
Um, look, home fitness was probably on a lot of Melbournians' minds as well during June. I know that's when I felt the slumpiest. And funnily enough, uh, smart bicycle and treadmill maker Peloton was doing extraordinarily well. So over the year, they just about doubled their global membership um, and it's partly because they cut the retail cost of some of their hardware, but also because so many people were being careful and staying home. We know it took the states longer to take things seriously and, and sort of behave differently. It depended where you were in the states, really. Um, and that's a big part of their membership. But, um, yeah, they're a global success now and uh, very interesting to see all sorts of home fitness technologies really coming to the fore. Plenty of people doing yoga via um, web conferencing, that's for sure. So September, who wants to cover TikTok? Um, yeah, so TikTok had uh, an interesting year. It was uh, it was all over the shop. So the US military banned it. Uh, other platforms basically copied its design. Um, Trump uh, had a, a, a outburst on uh, TikTok, but that's not really noteworthy because he does it with everything. Um, but said sell it to a US buyer or be banned in the US. Um, Microsoft wanted to make a deal with ByteDance, but TikTok went uh, with Oracle and Walmart. Um, and uh, the results are somewhat unclear. TikTok CEO of three months stepped down and a replacement has yet to be appointed. So TikTok is the, the hot new social media on the block and everyone wants a piece. China, um, America, uh, everyone. Yeah, and I think really significant too, the fact that all these other social media platforms were you know, stealing the idea of, right, you know, since Vine died, no one's kind of owned video on these networks mm. and TikTok did it so well. And then Instagram put their stories through and Twitter and Facebook did the same. And, you know, you can't apparently have a social media platform without having stories at the top right now. So this is just, it's going to be a moment. I'm sure the trend will change uh, equally quickly, but it's, it's been pretty interesting. Mm. November has to be election news, right, Paul? Yep. So US US election and from a tech perspective, you know, we had another year of, of misinformation. Um, I think people are a lot more aware of it now that it's it's a major a major issue. Um, but, but the day before the US election, um, President Barack Obama said, as long as it's on Facebook and people can see it, as long as it's on social media, people start believing it. And that creates this dust cloud of nonsense. Um, I love which is that my, expression. My new band name. <laughs> Um, and look, I think I think for people like us who are sort of enmeshed in technology, this is a conversation that we've endlessly had over the years about, you know, the the ability of these giant tech giants to to take responsibility for their influence um, and and to sort of own the the impact on society. Um, you know, Facebook is is 1.79 billion users, um, and according to the Pew Research Center and the Knight Foundation, over 40 percent of American adults get their news from Facebook. So it's incredibly influential. And I think we're we're gonna be sort of picking the sort of the the detritus and, and feeling the impact of, of that technology for, for years. As we've talked about on the show, like it's effectively a battleground now. Mm. Um, all of Absolutely. these social media platforms. I think yeah. older people are much more susceptible to fake news on the site as well because when, like, I remember at high school learning about how to discern what uh, what was valuable from a newspaper. Like, this is an editorial. This is like, mm -hmm. so they we just didn't have that for you know uh, internet news or so. And there's not really 
uh, other than like the New York Times or whatever, there's a million other um, news websites now. So I think that a lot of older people didn't necessarily have their arm, their uh, guard up to um, discern what was rubbish from um, the truth, uh, which I'm, I don't think is an original take, but um, yeah, that's what I've yeah. concluded. I'm not sure a lot of young people are any better because, you know, who's teaching them? This is all first generation stuff for everybody. Um, yeah. So it's kind of interesting. They can be better at navigating, you know, memes and what have you, but truthfulness I think we're finding is hard for all humans to discern on these platforms and, you know, where's the source and what's this take from and um, there's just so much to get through. Mm. Uh, I think that's why there's such a massive ask for the platforms to do more. Um, all right, we, also... we need to whip Sorry. through these uh, months quickly. Sorry, <laughs> Warren, are you with us? Do you want to cover something? Oh, yeah. Uh, I would be happy to talk about um, – uh, we can talk about Switch. Um one of the interesting things about Switch was uh, early on um, they did really well um, uh, compared to Xbox, PlayStation, um, and uh, yeah, some of the newer consoles that came out in the second half of the year because you can get up and do stuff. Um, so as we all got locked down around the world, um, that was interesting. Um, December, um, Salesforce, um, everybody's favourite uh, CRM and, and, and business um, software, um, brought Slack for um, Australia. 37.5 billion um, and a bunch of people with beards um, cried into their beards. <laughs> yeah, that one. That's um, so true. The only, the only thing that the uh, the adults weren't mucking up um, had probably been purchased. Um, so that was that was disappointing. Um, and then, uh, yeah, big uh, interview game launch, uh, Cyberpunk 2077, um, met with uh, a bit of um, uh, heavy criticism. Um, um, but... Uh, yeah, was able to kind of address that and move on. Um, Paul, you, you thought there was some interesting stuff about um, games this year and uh, I guess have a perspective on that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, it's interesting that both, you know, Xbox and PlayStation launched new consoles. And it, but as you, as you said, like the Switch continued to outsell them all. You know, it's like the highest selling console for the past 24 months um, in the US. And I think the interesting thing about the Cyberpunk 2077 is it, is it really tells the story of those launches where Sony and Microsoft are trying to keep the old generation going, but have their cake with this new generation. And actually developers um, are really struggling to like stay on top of that. Mm. Um, and so I think for a console launch year, it's actually not that exciting. Like the new consoles are sort of fine, I reckon. But yeah, but yeah it's, it's, it really tells the story of like the where games, games are in a weird place right now. Yeah. And a hot tip, uh, I often don't buy the console right out of the gate because there's often manufacturing errors. So you wait until they work out those uh, few bugs and you can have a console that will last maybe twice the amount of time as the first run of manufactured consoles. Assuming you're even able to find one in yeah. a shop at the moment. <laughs> if you're not a scalper and have 20 yep. waiting to be sold on eBay. Independently yours, Triple R. 102.7. It is actually our uh, final show for the year. Um, so uh, it does have a bit of a, a festive atmosphere and uh, possibly some of the only smiles on Skype um, all year. Um, it is uh, the festive season, so you might be wondering um, what can I do with my loved ones and friends and colleagues? Um, what what stuff can we share and enjoy? What interesting things are there out there to um, uh, to get your mitts on? Um, so we've got a bit of a, a list of things that um, might be a good gift or, or something to share um, with uh, the geek in your life. Um, 
There are heaps, but let's just get started with um, if you're feeling a little bit sore, I, I certainly have had a weird postural year where I'm just kind of like slumping on the edge of my desk that I can't quite get my knees under. Um, so I've got like a, a bit of a, a wonky spine at the moment. Um, one of the great suggestions that came in through uh, Laura Summers was um, the uh, Theragun, I guess, by Therabody. Um it's this wonderful uh, device. Um, looks like a, a very handy kind of um, drill. It's kind of a drill um, if Apple would have designed it, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it uses um, a, a bit of percussion, kind of like if you imagine a drill, you're not too far wrong. Um, and it's got like a, uh, I guess like a, a, a cup, a rubber cup at the end that um, pushes into a calf or a hamstring or a shoulder um, or something like that. Um, so it's very, uh, it's very designery. Uh, it would look very... Um, uh, very nice um, popping out from under the tree uh, on Christmas morning. Um, you I need did... a bit of help with that deep tissue action, Warren. Yeah, if you've been putting up the tree and kind of putting the, tens the, the tinsel up all night and the um, you know, sanders up on the um, chimneys and stuff like that, you'll definitely need this. Um, and something in a similar vein, um, a lot of us have been working from home, um, if, you know, if we've been lucky, um, throughout the year. Um, so we've been working on all different kinds of variations of um, sitting desks, standing desks, laptop stands, uh, strange monitors, um, wireless accessories and so forth. It's been a, a brave new world for a lot of us. Um, potentially there's some uh, uh, desk drip, I'm going to say, um, that you might want to um, get into your life. So things like indoor plants, um, posters, art, um, perhaps a great little bookshelf, it was kind of the first thing I went running for after the second lockdown was a bookshelf because um, my, my, my sort of second bedroom here with the bed in it has just become a bookshelf, um, unfortunately. Nice, nice. Um, and so a shout-out to um, one that's worth checking out, um, Stage Kings, um, who do some really interesting um, uh, and inexpensive and, need, need I say, sort of tasteful blonde wood kind of uh, additions to your your desk environment or, or your home office. So yeah, it's so cool how they flat pack and how they've sort of repurposed, um, you know, business from the performing industry, the theatre industry that got completely shut down during the pandemic, and they just pivoted to making these, you know, amazing desks and bits of furniture that were, yeah, really really cool. Um, hey, one out there from our mates at the Melbourne Electronic Sound Studio. If you've got like obscure music fans in your life, people who are really into synths or stuff like that. They've just printed a limited run of these gorgeous posters which feature a few choice uh, synths that will instantly raise your music cred. Um, the photos were taken by Melbourne photographer Christopher Paulson earlier this year. They're $25 each, really reasonable, but there's also memberships and things to mess and membership renewals. They've got deals on between now and December 24th. Um, you'll get a free poster if you're renewing or setting up one of those memberships. So that's a really cool, very Melbourne-specific music type of gift. Um, Paul, you've got a recommendation for um, uh, people with... Um with gear yeah so if, if you're like me you probably already have like four or five raspberry Pis just kicking about the house already um because you've continually upgraded them and just put all of your your software onto the the preview ones so i really had to stop myself this year um buying the new raspberry pi 400 which is basically a raspberry pi inside a keyboard um and it looks a little bit for people who are old like me a bit like a zx spectrum uh as well so you just kind of plug in your little sd card plug in the monitor plug in the mouse and you're good to go it is uh, a 
gorgeous little machine that I cannot justify, but will probably <laughs> buy to just add to my pile of uh, bits of hardware uh, around the house. Um, so yeah, I could definitely recommend just adding adding to that list. How many things? How many Raspberry Pis do you have running around your uh, house? I've got I've got two that are doing things, and I've got two that are just sitting on a shelf, not doing not doing anything. It's so, like the Boston Dynamics of Northcote, or, or the, <laughs> the movie, maybe. if only if only that were true, maybe I, maybe I could be sold to Salesforce for thirty seven point five billion. <laughs> that could be my Christmas present. Ah. Oh. To help you do that, we'll definitely need to get some professional photos and you might need a Zoom, um, uh, a Zoom-worthy rig for that. Um, these amazing ring lights, um, which you'll pro- you've probably seen uh, popping up in um, you know, the corners of Instagram photos and stories and so forth. But one of these actually lives in my other room. It's not mine. It's uh, somebody else's. But nice. It's this Orwellian kind of present. Oh. It never packs it up and you wake up in the middle of the night and you can just feel this big eye looking at it. <laughs> Warren, you have a ring light and you don't bother using it for our <laughs> broadcast calls. I can't believe it. No. Well, I'll go, I'll go and grab it during the next track and I'll set it up for the rest of the day. Um, Gorgeous. Gorgeous. For the amusement. But um, they do work They do work kind of well. Every time I get in front of it, you can just feel the heat like baking off it and it's just kind of um, a bit uncomfortable. But um, they do wonders for your complexion and, and stuff like that. Well, you must have a gorgeous one. They do vary wildly from the really cheapo stick on the front of your mobile phone camera to all the way up to standalone, multiple light tone and colour choice sort of ones around the $350 mark. But I reckon anywhere in the middle of that, they seem to be quite reasonable. It feels like a whole branch of technology that has just passed me by. Wait until you see the AI software that helps you choose cosmetics these days, Paul. The cosmetics counter, the counter has been um, radically improved. Um, what's going on in pet, pet, uh, pet gear, Vanessa? Well, I don't have a pet, but um, something that I think is really cool is the advent of GPS trackers for things that aren't scary like keeping track of your pets. So I know a friend who had a couple of beagles and they were escape artists. So there's things like the whistle pet tracker that you can whack on your pet and it just lets you open your mobile and you can sort of see where they are. Saves you sticking up posters on poles all around town that you then forget to take down again. And it's not the only product in this space. It's really a competitive space. So look for something light and compact and waterproof and um, it's all hopefully pretty low risk. And not not just pet tracking, but like full blown wearables for you know for your pets, so you can hear, like see see their fitness levels or see you know if they're scratching too much. It's like a full blown oh, like you know metrics for your dog or your cat. Oh my god, that sounds cool. Well, if you're constantly losing your pet and you need uh, G- uh, GPS and you're losing other things around your house, such as uh, a wallet or keys, you can also get uh, one of the numerous GPS locating cards or keyring devices that you can attach to any one of your devices. Um, My boss at work has it because he's always dropping his keys and uh, it's always going off uh, because he's lost his keys. And I've got to say, they are really helpful if you lose your keys. Yeah, and for people who lose the wallet, like I love that they've got that sort of card size, smart card thing in there as well. Mm. It does the same thing. Very clever. Be careful who you give it to though uh, because someone may be a little bit upset that you think that they're that forgetful. (laughs) Not speaking from experience or anything. I love it. 
Hey, this is what I found that was super weird and I just had to put it in. If money's not an option and you want a really luxe gift, uh, there are these speakers made by a company called People People and they're transparent speakers and they've got a whole different range of them. Like there's ones, the, the cheapest one I could find was around the $900 mark. It's outrageous. I'm not actually suggesting anyone get this, but look into them. There's probably better things for the money. I don't even know. But gosh, they look gorgeous. And it's just nice to see people having fun with interior design. Speaking of making things look gorgeous, oh, my God, Warren has activated the ring light. Oh, my God, it's beautiful. Money well spent. <laughs> An excellent radio, I'm sure. What a, what a fantastic gift idea kind of is oh and it really has all sorts of gradations of like brightness and tone oh beautiful 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 okay that is kind of impressive <laughs> i um, i don't have one of these but i think they just make beautiful design objects in a room anyway when you get really good ones yeah i like that there's um since i've seen these and the kind of the control that you have i really like those little stem ones they can just sit in the corner of a room and they change colors so you get that kind of like pinks and greens and blues and and stuff. Yeah. yeah, the illusion of natural light changing as we're stuck in our homes for months on end. <laughs> I can see how that would have been a great thing. Oh, that's gorgeous. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say my top oh, tip for a, for a gift is just subscriptions to things that people don't have. I got my mum a whole year Spotify subscription. Um, I've given Netflix subscriptions or Disney Plus subscriptions. It's good uh, because it means that you don't actually have to handle anything physical and it's all done. Um, that's uh, one of my top gift ideas. Oh, genius, Dan. I love that. Mm. I love that. Subscriptions to Triple R are also a great Ah, gift. yes. Also a good gift. <laughs> Um, some of the some of the other outdoor ones that I thought were um, interesting was um, our solar lantern um, for camping, which is really good. Um, this was just a, a great idea. Um, I, I know a lot of the a lot of the triple R broadcasters like to get out uh, and, uh, into the wild, which is great. Um, you can just set it up um, during the day; it uh, absorbs the solar light, and then at night um, it emits the um, light um, using the power um, during the day, which is great. Um, one, uh, maybe for Joe, I know she'd appreciate this one. Um, something for all of us, we all get tired eyes and we all spend a lot of time looking at screens, but, um, there are some great, um, uh, filters that you can get out there for your lenses for, um, uh, optical glasses at the moment, um, which filters out blue light and UV light. So, uh, particularly for people, you know, it's, it's been a big year for, um, uh, I guess, anxiety and mental health issues and so forth. So if you're having trouble sleeping, um, you know, after about 7 p.m., something like that, um, uh, maybe just getting those glasses going if you don't use them all day uh, is a Very good Very clever. Mm. Um, I think that is that is good. Um, and I just had, I had one gift that would be great um, if I'm going to spend some money, you know, even just on yourselves, like why not? We've all had a big year. So um, squirrel your dollars away, the Euroloop uh, headset, which um, I've kind of been umming and ahhing about for a while. We had... We, we did have um, a set of the uh, headphones on the show, which um, naturally just kind of mysteriously disappeared um, <laughs> within a few weeks of arriving at the station. But um, the Neuralope headset we haven't been playing around with, and it looks great. Um, and you, I thought I, we just interviewed them. I never knew that there was a headset kicking around. No, I mean, you know, this is this is really kind of like internal uh, humbug. But, um, <laughs> yeah, no, we, 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 we had them. And then bite, bite into it, graciously put them in the library at Triple R. And then a few weeks later, people were like, hey, could I use the headphones? And they were just not to be seen. Oh, no. There's somebody out there from the station listening to the show right now with very excellent sound. Uh, 
going on. I'm sure their ears are burning in all the wrong ways, Warren, so that's okay. You're listening to Bite Into It with Dan, Vanessa, Warren and Paul, and it's the end of year show. Um, over summer, uh, uh, I'm going to be doing a show with Maze from the show also, and uh, it'll be called The Couch Co-op. We're looking forward to bringing you the news for Melbourne video game scene. So thank you so much for listening. I'm so looking forward to hearing that, yes. Dan. Um, so I hear you're going to be shedding light on underground Melbourne and Australian games. Um, you're going to have some shows on Indigenous representation and indie to AAA and streaming and all the sorts of things going on. So I can't wait to be listening over summer. Yeah, I'm very excited. I'm going to be uh, like uh, mazes in the trenches of um, uh, video game development, but uh, I'm very much uh, just a fan. So... Uh, I'm I'm really excited to learn more about the the whole video game development scene, and hopefully the listeners do too. Mm. Oh, absolutely! I think it's going to be incredible. Hi, this is Vanessa Taholka. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Triple R's Bite Into It, a weekly radio show exploring tech news, broadcast live on Triple R from Melbourne, Australia, every Wednesday. Hope you enjoy the podcast and feel free to get in touch with us via Triple R's website or Bite Into It's Twitter or Facebook accounts.